again, and this is nuance. I am the twice authenticated Mike Scala. Yes, I had to go through that to get the new laptop running, but here we are. Joined, of course, by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip hop MC and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What is going on, Jay? And now author, plus someone who hates two-factor identification. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'm okay. How about yourself? Doing well, at least better than last week. Last week I was very sick. I gotta say I'm still kind of sick, but on the recovery, so that's always good. Okay, okay. That's what's and up. we are joined by a special guest. We've got Andre Bystro from Bryant Bystro, a political consultant, ready to get into some political topics. What's going on, Andre? Hey guys, how are you? And as we covered before, you are <laughs> not in uh, a chamber right now. That is a <laughs> camera. That's just not. Yes. You're not smoking up bowls over there like uh, Cheech and Chong. I mean, I mean it yeah. is not legal in New York State, but no, no, no. I have a very aerated apartment. You know what I mean? Like I got my windows and my my uh, balcony doors open because I got a dog here. So no, even though I do smoke, this is not smoke that you're seeing. This is just the haze of a really crappy laptop camera. It's the proverbial smoke-filled room. Like they say, all those deals between the governor and the Senate majority leader and the speaker of the assembly, right? They all meet in a smoke-filled room. That's what you're representing right now. But to be fair, man, you know what I'm saying? After you get a couple of drinks and people and stuff, a lot of times they'll be like, yo, but shit got done. You know what I mean? Like people are like, yo, Tammany Hall, crooked as fuck, but shit got done. But shit got done. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, we got an echo there. And it's yeah. definitely not a sentiment I need echoed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you made that statement on a DJ Clue mixtape. Yeah, right? No, listen, I can appreciate that because I spent some time working in Albany and there would always be invites to these cocktail parties. And after a while, I was like, oh, it's the same thing. It's the same exact caterer. It's like a repeat deja vu. But you know what? More work in some ways gets done at those after hours cocktail parties than during work hours at the legislative office building. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's how, you know, a lot of people find sponsors for their legislation in Albany. That's right. Yeah. And also, if you have a bill, maybe it's already sponsored, but you're trying to get it on a committee agenda. You have a few drinks with the committee chair. You say, hey, this bill, what's up with this bill? And you just kind of talk person to person on a more human level. And sometimes people relate to each other better that way, as opposed to in that more formal setting where it's just papers being sent back and forth all the time, right? Like, here's a request out, we called it. It's just a form saying, I would like my bill put on the agenda. All right, but they're getting a ton of those every day. How are you going to differentiate yourself? Sometimes it takes an event like that. After hours, you kind of roll up the sleeves, you have a few drinks, and you talk to folks. Yeah, yeah. I, was the, I was the guy that slid you the Mai Tai. Remember me? Huh? Let's sneak up. Slid you the Mai Tai? How do you differentiate yourself? You said you're having drinks with with the person and just how they're going to remember you. Like, yeah, you, you had a Mai Tai with them, maybe some Long Island iced teas, you know, a couple of shots of tequila, a Jaeger bomb or two. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But whatever it is, you find a way. You socialize with someone, right? right? It's a different setting. I think you can make a better impression. And it's a different impression. I mean, obviously, in a professional setting, you, you have a different approach usually, right? right? It's a more professional approach. But at night, you're eating, you're breaking bread together. It's more friends, right? It's like more of a friends social level. Right. So Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for, for that. Well, I wanted to talk about some books, believe it or not, that I got this week. Starting off with this one. Look familiar, Jay? 
Yeah, check that out. Super awesome. Yes. So here it is, J.J. the Giraffe, Looking for the Murphy Farm by Dr. Shelley Viola Murphy, your mother. And I ordered it from Amazon. It's a great book. Great illustrations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here. They all have obviously the same distinctive style to them. Right. But it's really cool following J.J.'s journey to the Murphy Farm. And it tells a good story. There's a good message in there about discrimination. Right. The, the point of it was um, to highlight uh, issues with housing discrimination. So um, my mother was director of um, Housing and Human Services at, uh, what was it, Piedmont Housing Alliance here in Virginia. And um, that was part of her job. So she wrote this story 20 years ago um, and trying to highlight this idea that people should be allowed to live wherever they want to live discrimination shouldn't be a factor, that type of thing. And so you know, actually I got it made to uh, come to fruition. Actually, um, today I, or last night about 2 a.m. I was surfing the internet, just kind of seeing what was out there in relation to the book and came across apparently um, a library in Michigan has already ordered a copy. So that was pretty awesome. Nice. nice. Nice to see her excited about it. Yeah. And I think children should get to read that book. It's a good one for kids. Yeah. So here's another book that I got, if you can see it. It's actually a New York Times bestseller, Accidental Presidents, Eight Men Who Changed America by Jared Cohen. And I haven't really read this yet. I just got started to kind of flip through it. But it talks <laughs> about the eight vice presidents who went on to become president as a result of the president dying. And just thinking about this recently, I'm sure... People have uncovered this and talked about it before, but it kind of just came to my mind that presidents who were elected in the year ending in zero died in office at a much higher rate. In fact, of the eight presidents who died in office, seven of them were elected or reelected in the year ending in zero. Um, I know that sounds cheap because like, all right, you have a presidential election every four years, so reelected, now you're getting into like, what, like half, it's a half chance, but but most of them actually won their first election in a year ending in zero. In the case of FDR, that was his re-election in 1940. But think about this, 1840, William Henry Harrison, he's the first president to die in office. He was elected in 1840. 1880, James Garfield died in office. 1900, William McKinley died in office. 1920, Warren Harding died in office. 1940 was FDR's re-election, I think it's for the third time, died in office. 1960, JFK died in office. You're talking from 18, 20 no, 1840 to 1960 every 20 years you had a presidential election where that president died in office and yeah, hold on a second jfk didn't die in 1960 though no no no. he was elected in 1960 oh oh yeah you're talking okay. about if they were elected in a year ending in zero they gotcha. had a higher tendency to die in office seven of the eight who died in office died after being elected in the year ending in zero so everybody the exception, was, the exception was zachary taylor who died in 1850 but I thought you said, what about Lincoln? 1860, yeah. Oh, 1860, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's eerie to think about that. I don't know. I mean, not, not, not really. It's, you know. Well, for every- You have a 20% chance theoretically, right? Of, uh, of being elected in a year ending in zero if things go normally. Right, but you're talking about every 20 years it happened between 1840 and 1960. So, two <laughs> shit gets rough, yo. 
Two questions. Every 20 years. Why did you even notice that? <laughs> and second, um, should Biden be worried? Well, yeah, that's why it's kind of eerie, right? The fact that Biden... All right, guys, 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 guys. We're getting on a really dark-ass fucking topic. <laughs> so, and, and listen, like, I'm not one of these guys who's saying, you oh, know, he's too old. Listen, if he feels up to it, he should run again. But it is a, a kind of a scary thing. Maybe it's a coincidence, but, you know, I don't know. Hey, by the way, this is actually, you know, this is a... Uh, when we were talking about this before the show in terms of, like, possible discussion things... What do you guys? Just a quick, quick question. These, uh, these uncovered documents and stuff of uh, Joe Biden stuff. Do you guys believe in any way of those conspiracy theories of this being stuff by Democrats that are trying to kind of propagate this in the media as much as possible to see if they can keep them from running again? Democrats trying to keep Biden from running again? Yes, I've, I've never heard that. There's apparently a, a, a conspiracy theory that's kind of silly floating around that it's this is uh perpetuated by democratic uh i guess uh, uh democratic operatives or operative of yeah yeah so i mean again this is all i think coming from like the the right wing sphere and stuff but at the same time you know but why would they why would they want to do that I mean, I, who knows what people do? And it, well, you know. the the Democratic Party is is fractured to fuck. Even folks that support, you know, Biden and stuff, I'm sure some of them wouldn't mind running for an open uh, open presidential seat. You know what I mean? That's because Democrats are are kind of spineless and don't know how to get in line and 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 work together to keep this one narrative. Although they did do that in the in the uh the the speaker of the house election they did stay pretty solid but um you know because the republicans because well, they were gonna we lose hate, they're like we all hate trump but we we want to win so we're going to get behind this guy um and whatnot democrats oh, by the way yeah. democrats get together when they're gonna lose for sure <laughs> because like they they can get together and stuff you know what i mean to show face like yeah we are together we're united we're gonna lose but we're gonna you we're gonna lose in a united fashion if if we had the votes, if Democrats actually had the votes, I don't think it would have been the kind of shithouse uh, uh, vote that McCarthy got. But I'm sure it wouldn't have gone on the first round. I'm sure there would have been a lot of behind the scenes drama in terms of who the who they were going to nominate and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like it, it wouldn't have taken 15 rounds. You know what I mean? I'm sure it would have been settled on the second or third round, but at the same time, I'm sure behind the scenes, there would have been enough uh, raised voices within the party trying to figure out who the next speaker would be. But getting back to your question, Jay, on how I even noticed that, it was just I was looking at the book and I was thinking about who the presidents were who died off this. And, you know, I'm a bit of a presidential history buff, so I was thinking back to when they were elected, when this happened. And I was like, it is odd. And then I was like, I'm sure this has been pointed out a million times before. I just don't know if I ever saw that theory or that fact pointed out before but it came to me like wow that's kind of eerie that of the eight presidents who died in office seven of them were elected in the year ending in zero seven out of the eight so i mean that's more of a sample than you would expect like i understand yeah, so it's either gonna be zero or four or an eight or a two or a six and so on but for them for that many of them to have a zero in the year that they were elected so are of, you so every 20 years for a while that's that's more than a coincidence. So, are you insinuating that there is a shadowy organization that purpose is to take out presidents elected in years ending in zero? No. 
Okay. Just just want to make make clear. Just want to point out, by the way. So in order to save all future presidents from dying, maybe we just have fucking the, the elections in uh, odd years. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. So so the question would be: Would you would you run for president for an election that would be ending in zero? It wouldn't stop me. Okay. Here's here's the better question: Would you actively strive? Uh, in a more increased fashion to run for vice president if uh <laughs> that's a good one getting back to the point of the book i'm going to read this book it's very interesting and it has some pictures <laughs> too like i found one of hinkley holding up a gun and i know mean, i like stuff like this i like presidential history but we would like to point out that there are no pictures of giraffes in that book that is true no if, if you're looking for pictures you, you go with this one that's my review if you're looking for good artwork, you definitely go for JJ the giraffe looking for the Murphy farm. But if you're interested in presidential history and presidents, I wonder if it's in this book at all. I wonder if they point out the fact because they're talking about all they don't, the I, I'm, I'm fairly sure they don't point out the fact. I'm pretty sure no one's pointing out the fact. Oh, I disagree with that, Chad. I, I guarantee you, if you Google it right now, you're going to find something on it. I'm going to ask a lot of train enthusiasts. I wonder if Chat GBT knows about that. That GPT thinks that um, Al Gore is still president. Al Gore is president right now. Well, maybe it thinks that Al Gore died in office after being elected in the year two thousand. That's you know what? That's quite possible. Quite possible. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe you know something that Biden want to keep an eye on. You know, um, you know things are kind of crazy out there. We we're, we're seeing a lot of. Um, violence creeping into the, the political spectrum like the news report recently with um the the maga weirdo that uh, went after the democrats yes so this is this is uh i i feel like a crazy crazy story uh it is let me just pull this up so uh an individual by by the name <laughs> Uh, 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 Solomon Pena, who ran for the 14th House District of New Mexico in Albuquerque, uh, who lost with 26% of the vote, but got to the general election, won his primary, got to the general election, lost with 26% of the vote against the Democratic incumbent, uh, then apparently went out and hired several folks that he knew to go and shoot up the houses of elected Democrats, six of them to be exact. They've now tied him to four of the six shootings. They're going to find information about the other two shooters to tie him to those cases as well, because, you know, they've, they've you know, figured out that there's a very distinct pattern. Um, in one of the cases, the bullets literally went through the, the fucking bedroom of a sleeping child. So it's like, you know what I mean? These people could have gotten killed. Uh, thank God nobody did. But at the same time, it is wild. In one of the cases, they know for a fact that, they, that the guy pulled the the uh, weapon, uh, pulled the trigger himself. I mean, this is absolutely insane. I personally have never heard some shit like this. Somebody losing a general election and then shooting up his uh, the folks he lost to. Listen, I'm I'm you know, I'm gonna say we know where some of this is coming from. We know some of uh, catalysts to this. You know, I think Trump has. Uh, a hand in in sparking that type of idea, coupled with, of course, the other paranoia that's going on. We saw what happened in the elections, I believe, in Brazil. And um, I think it needs to be said and talked about that 
in general, when stuff like this happens, it's usually Republicans that are perpetrating these actions. So that violence. It's just, I'll be honest with you, it's just such a wild story. And not only that, though, the sloppiness of the whole thing, it wasn't like this big masterminded operation. You know what I mean? They literally have a photo on the dude's cell phone of one of the shooters with the fucking gun he used eating cheeseburgers, like posing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's dumb. It is dumb. It is as like I just watched that new uh, 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 Knives Out movie, man, like at that end and stuff. He's like, yo, this is just stupid. This is dumb plots. These are not mastermind, you know, criminals here. This is just the dumbest people ever. And the fact that one of the major parties in this country allows these dimwits to run for office. Here's the thing. We got some Ooh. dumb people in the Democratic Party, too. Don't get me wrong. But holy shit, guys. Any standards whatsoever. And I'm sure this leads in really well into, like, the George Santos piece. But, like, holy crap, guys. Like, any standards whatsoever within the right. so sad that that's where and, we are as a country where this is even in the realm of possibility and right. i'm sure people are looking at this a little surprised but not shocked right like I think it's also are, not like a huge it's not a major story i'm yeah. sure none of the new york papers like led with this shit this morning you know what i mean like the fact that this is so normalized now is it's just it's it's insane to me and, and remember i i kind of remember what i kind of would identify as like the first incident like this in in i guess modern times would have been uh what was her name um gabby giffords was that, was that i was name? i was thinking about you know this actually is interesting because it leads to another story right it's i was thinking about harvey milk because he was in city council in san francisco and he ended up getting killed by another councilman when was that uh harvey milk holy oh, shit yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, 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 yeah. that's also how Diane Feinstein eventually became mayor and eventually became a congresswoman and eventually became a senator. And right. then my girl, who I love to death, Katie Porter, is running for that seat. But uh, well, there were a few segues here, and I don't know if we're ready to quite segue yet. I mean, it's just he got, he got assassinated on November twenty seventh, nineteen seventy eight. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, I believe the the first and. Correct me if I'm wrong, the only sitting congressperson to be assassinated in office was the one in uh, Georgetown, right? That was Ryan, I believe. I don't know. I'll take your word for that one. Yeah, I mean, Gabby Giffords got shot. I remember the Republican at the at the, uh, at, the at the softball game. Also, they got shot. Did anybody get killed there? Y'all remember that there was that that was like the one instance. I, I remember that actual, yeah. like progressive, quote right. individual. Like it's just it was just such a odd kind of thing to happen, right? Like, right. I mean, I mean, I, I, you can't say it, but I, I'll say it that a lot of this is is perpetrated by the conservative side and the Republicans. So, I mean, we're we're looking at January sixth. You're talking about this, this Michigan right here. We're talking about Michigan, the Michigan case, yeah. the Gresham Wentworth shit. Yeah, man. I, this it, it needs to be called out every time and stop like people passing it off like oh it's just you know different but, it's just politics you know you know what i find 
you know what I find offensive? You know what I mean? A lot of these Republicans and stuff, whenever there's like a terrorist attack and stuff and it's perpetuated by like somebody who is a, who's a Muslim radical and stuff, they always say, hey, you know what? The good Muslim community and stuff, they need to go and like decry about how how they're against this and like everybody uniformly has to say it. But like this shit happens in the GOP and they kind of like very lackadaisical about saying any goddamn thing about anything. You know what I mean? They just kind of want to shift the blame. How about like right. Carlson apologizing for the radicalism of his party tonight on broadcast? I don't think that shit's going to happen. Right. Yeah, I'm going to mention that, and I said this before, but when I was just in Florida at the poker table down in Hollywood there, George Santos came up and there was a hardcore Republican at that poker table just saying all kinds of right wing talking points. And even the dealer was on the same page as him. Everyone else was kind of quiet and seeing the dealer just went back and forth with these right wing talking points. And someone finally said, what about George Santos? And he was like, oh, he's a liar. But they're all liars. They all lie. Biden lies all the time. And he went immediately to the Democrats. He, right. he wouldn't take any accountability or just, it's, you know, he it's, it's a lot of right whataboutism, man. It's a lot of whataboutism. Yeah. And, yeah. and and honestly, look, I see I see arguments on the left, you know, like that as well, where we get into that as well, where sure. we what about is and shit. And look, I, I would like to think or I would like to hope that more of us at least catch ourselves and realize that, that is not a proper way to argue. You know what I mean? Like there are both realities can exist. You know what I mean? Like you can make an argument about, you know what I mean? Like it being improper about Joe Biden having classified documents at the time that he was not in office, while at the same time having the cognizant thought that Donald Trump keeping documents and fighting against the DOJ to preserve classified documents when he was not in office is a completely different, though well, similar crime. Right. And, and I, I agree with that. The whataboutism lowers the bar, it lowers the standards. And I remember once someone came to me for some advice because they got in trouble for something that they did or something like they were going to get a fine from the government for something. I, I forget what it was, something relatively minor. But they said to me, I don't think it's fair because my neighbor does the same thing and my neighbor is not getting this fine. And I'm like, well, that's not a defense. A defense isn't saying, hey, I should get away with murder because I know someone else who got away with murder. I mean, it's still wrong. If you want to elevate the discourse, it's let's do better. Let's not excuse bad behavior because other people are also getting away with it. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, to, to Andre's point, uh, they, they do, they are different things and people need to be able to, they are different, but they are also the same. And people need to be able to have, understand that nuance and that differentiation and not do that. What about Like me personally, listen, I, I voted for, for Biden. I'm uncomfortable with anyone taking classified documents outside of areas where they shouldn't be. Like it shouldn't be in there. I would still say to me, Listen, they're different than, you know, uh, as far as what happened, um, consequences will be different. However, I think it's enough evidence to for, you know, uh, investigators to go and look at both of their residences now to see if there's any more documents that are out there because you know right i mean look i think the major difference between these two cases is literally just the level of cooperation right like where you know what i mean like the biden administration is going above and beyond to make sure that no classified documents are in, in places that are improper right. the Trump administration is effectively fighting uh, a proper investigation which leads to different charges you're impeding a, a criminal investigation like sorry bro that's that's illegal and and let's talk about where they were being held biden's was in a private office office Trump's was in a public. Well, hold on a second. Biden's was in a private garage with his Corvette. Okay, so but it's a little like, different than 
It's a little different than Mar-a-Lago where it's got a public place. A lot of visitors are coming in from different countries and, and oh, for sure, for sure. Look, here's look. The, the other thing is this, man. Like, like it leads me to like other stuff, right? Which is there's so many foreign actors, and you touched about the uh, touched upon this. There are so many foreign actors that really want to get their hands on as much possible information from our government that's classified. This is just an exist like existing fact. Like we've recently found out, right, that like we actually have Chinese police departments that are doing things active on behalf of the Chinese government to harass Chinese American citizens in this country. We know for a fact that we have Russian like operatives and stuff that like constantly try to gather information. You have Saudi Arabian lobbyists. You have like a ton of folks that like want information from our government. Like I don't understand why this a, a place that rents out their fucking hall for weddings and shit should have anything relating to the government inside those premises, period. All right. Absolutely. Well we have some more segues coming out of that. Now I don't I don't know which way to go because you mentioned the private <laughs> hall and the government involvement. We can get into that. We can talk about the China topic, or we can you know, segue uh, off of that. I want to talk about this briefly because it came out in the paper that a member of Queens Community Board 5 was being removed from the board because he referred to COVID-19 as the Wu flu in a public meeting. Queensborough President Donovan Richards made the statement, let me get it here, that uh, Asian Americans have suffered from a surge in bias and violence. And he said he will not tolerate a community board member using language that has fueled that wave of bigotry and hate. And it was council member Robert Holden who appointed this individual to the community board. And he is apparently sticking up for this person saying he's known him for a long time. He has a big heart, does good things in the neighborhood. There's a body of work he has done for decades that should be considered. And the council member went off to say, Donovan Richards just cancels people. So where are we with this? For his part, this gentleman says that the comment was not intended as a slur, but he said it and he'll live with it. I want to just really quickly apologize to anybody who's hearing my dog snoring. Like, that's the dog. She is snoring. Uh, Don't hear her at all. Absolutely not. Let her sleep. Get some rest. When I hear when I hear Wu, first thing I think of is Wu Tang, but um, I know that's making light of the situation. <laughs> yeah, throw it up the W's, let's go for the children. Um, that's right. I think you know we talked about this briefly in in the pre, and you know it can be taken different ways. Was he was he going a, a Chinese slur? Or was he talking about short for Wuhan? That's what he says. No, no, no. He says that he believes that COVID-19 originated in the Wuhan laboratory. That's his position on it. The question I mean, is, is I mean, that a slur nonetheless? Well, hold right. on. I mean, look, I, I do. I think that two things can, can exist simultaneously, right? There's been a spike in violence against Asian Americans in this country. That yeah. is uh, a horror. That is, that, that is absolutely, absolutely uh, horrific, and it should not happen. But at the same time, like censoring language just because you're afraid that an idiot might go and like do violence because they they you know what I mean? You say the word Wuhan, that's preposterous. And it's what you're saying is preposterous as you buzz somebody into your apartment. But we just (laughs) talked about story of violence. And didn't we say that a lot of this is caused by people 
spewing this hateful rhetoric? Well, hold on a second. There's a difference between, you know what I mean? Like somebody saying, like calling something and I'm, I don't want to offend anybody. So trigger warning again, the China virus, right? Which is the thing that, that a lot of Republicans have been calling that, like, that sounds like a slur. That sounds offensive, right? Even though you can make a case by saying that it originated in China. In the same way that it was the Spanish flu or the Chinese flu and what have you, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I think that a, a middle-aged elderly man and stuff who said Wu instead of Wuhan. Look, man, he probably should just say, look, I'm, I'm sorry to anybody that was offended. It wasn't my intention. And like, let's move on. And well, then, let me ask you this then. If you would have said Wuhan flu. Do you think you would it, it originated? Look, it originated in the Wuhan province. Like it is what it is. It's that's that's not. I don't think that's in, that's debatable. Well, I think you're, you're, you're talking. Okay. The fact that he said Wu flu as opposed to Wuhan flu. Well, prior, like to, I said, it could be it could be also connotated that he was making fun of a potential Chinese surname. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. Like I I I also get that. That's 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 a, that would be offensive. But I, again, we don't know the man's intent, and so maybe he should be he should be able to have the moment to clarify, right? Which I believe he did. If if we, didn't you didn't you say that, Mike? Didn't he say that he meant Wuhan? He says he didn't mean it as a slur. And that he does believe that the virus originated in the Wuhan laboratory. Yeah, I mean, I still, I think, I would, I think, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what his political affiliation is or, or whatnot. Anyone saying that right now in public like that, I think you can, can argue that they're trying to make a statement. Right, because we know how controversial it is to to say something like that and to to openly just do that blatantly. It kind of seems like it's something on purpose. So even if he's apologizing, the point is you probably tried to do it on purpose. Of course, that's just speculation. But yeah, I think you know, it's it's a it's you know, I don't know about apologize or just call it out and let's and, and keep it moving. So do you think he should be booted from the board for that? Um, from the board? Yeah. Potentially. Okay. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know who he is, but here, here's my thing. If he's on the board, you're, you're elected or you're placed in any position that has any sort of uh, authority or any sort of thing, you do have a higher standard to live up to. And so he can't be that naive to not know that saying that would ruffle some feathers or that it's not something that um, is good to say right now. Cause we've had, a, we've had this thing in the news, right. Talking about, you know, when Trump talking about the Kung flu and all of this type of stuff. So for him to use that in office in a board meeting or whatever, just, yeah, I think dude, like you're not being who you're supposed to be in that position. Right. I just wonder, though, not that this excuses the behavior, but you said that he knows that that's triggering, that's inflammatory. I wonder how much people do know that if they're living in their bubbles. What if that's the language that they're just using with each other? Yeah. And they don't even realize that that's offensive. And that, that's again, possible. it doesn't excuse it, but I'm just wondering if people are doing that to be offensive or that's just 
an example of how polarized we are and that the language people even use with each other is considered offensive. I think he, I think that that's probably what needs to be determined um, because up until really up until uh, COVID calling a virus with the name from where it came from was common practice, even though I think about 10 years prior to that, the, the, the WHO decided to stop naming conventions like that. But I mean, we're talking about, we have the Spanish flu, we have um, Ebola, uh, we have, you know, all of these things, and we still call them those names, even though they're named after the region they come from. And it was only until this came out when you had the way that Trump and, and, some of that side we're talking about it where people brought to light that hey we don't name things like that anymore and i think that was the first time that the public kind of got that uh, introduction and it's not the first time we've done this before like even in the 1918 uh flu we called it the spanish flu even though it most likely originated in the united states but they were the only ones that were reporting because the war was going on and people were keeping the information out but in different countries, Italy called it the German disease. Uh, Japan called it the American disease. Germans called it the Russian plague. And it was, you know, everyone calls it something different. But yeah, I think it needs to be determined what, what he's talking about. So that's how we would do it. We would look into his motive and try to do an investigation into what was in his head when he said it. I mean, look into, you can kind of extrapolate based on what types of stuff he said before, potentially. Well, he was talking anti-vax stuff, so he was on that whole tip. So he probably did it on purpose. I mean, <laughs> sure. I don't know. And he again, I don't it. think that makes it better necessarily, but Here's, I can't say definitively I'd like to, I'd like to, to offend people. I'd like to give you uh, something that's tangential, like very, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's close, but it's not the same thing. But it's on the same wave course. Did you guys hear about that story in uh, Minnesota? Uh, so it's Hamlin University and stuff. It fired a professor by the name of uh, ba, 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 ba. they fired a prof. Uh, she was an adjunct professor of art history. Give me one second. I will give you. God damn, man, website sucks. Uh, Professor Erica Lopez Prater. So she was fired for showing a, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, a famous painting uh, of in 16th century Persia and stuff of the prophet Muhammad speaking to an angel Gabriel mm. uh, from wherein the Quran is written, right? But, and so she put the, she put the fact that she was going to put this painting on her syllabus and she gave several trigger warnings to students prior to showing it. After she showed it, one of the students complained, and now she was fired for showing uh, 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 an insensitive painting. Uh, because in in Islam, showing You're not allowed to show any depictions depiction of Prophet Muhammad. Prophet Muhammad. Correct. And this wasn't like a you know this is an art history class. It wasn't even like a journalism mm. class where they they showed those uh uh. uh French cartoons and stuff from uh, uh, was a Hasbo. Right. So, so you're making the analog to the community board case. Are you saying then that this gentleman should not have been dismissed from the board because he? Look, I think 
here's the thing. I think the major, major difference is in this one, I think it was a slip of the tongue. If he intended to say Wuhan flu and actually said the words Wuhan flu. Hold on a second. So, and, and if he actually said the words Wuhan flu, right? No, he should not have been dismissed. He should not have been dismissed. And uh, uh, the folks that were offended. He did not say the word Wuhan flu, I don't believe. I think he just said Wu flu. Right. That's a different thing because, again, his intent needs to be made clear. And if he goes on the offensive rather than, you know, than on the offensive by saying, hey, listen, whatever, I don't give a fuck what y'all feelings are like and blah, blah, blah. That's a different thing altogether. But I don't know. Look, I think okay, so you're saying he should be given a chance basically to explain himself and even apologize. And, and, so he's yeah. not, and he was given that chance or at least they asked him if he, how he felt about it. And he didn't say he was sorry. He said, basically, it is what it is. He's willing to live with the consequences. He called it the Wu flu. Well, look, and, and, and look, here's the thing, man. If the man said he's willing to live with the consequences, he got some consequences from the borough president. It's done. Yeah, It's done, but I think it's still worthy of a discussion as to was yeah. that the right move and how should that be handled? Listen, so was he and, and, and the discussion is he said he was willing to live with the consequences. Here's some consequences, and you got to live with them. But should those oh. be the consequences is the question here. So, hey, that is not for anyone to say it is. Well, someone has to say it. Otherwise, the somebody... borough fucking president said it. And that the consequence for saying woo and not putting the last fucking syllable of Han on the. Right, calm down. Calm down, Andre. All right. Sorry. What if he would have also... called it? What if he would have called it the Wu-Tang flu? Then then Riza should be the one that is responsible for making the decision on what the consequences should be. And if he says he's willing to face the consequences, then Riza can tell us what the consequences are. Yeah. See, it's 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 obviously uh, a touchy issue or, or kind of a, a half this way, half that way issue, because you know there's there could be his intent. He could be just trying to be slick with the mouth to get to, to get this this bigoted jab in there. Um, he could just be clueless in the way he's speaking. Um, and it kind of is indicative of where we're at at the moment and, and how sensitive things are and how touchy everything is. Um, and I think if you, if you took this in different um, subjects saying something, maybe he decided that he was gonna say Hispanic instead of Latin X, we'd you know, probably be having a, a similar type of discussion here um you know we're gonna have to take take you know maybe look into a, a fuller body of of his intent maybe something in there maybe so, we should also be questioning why we have people in these positions that are trying to get a rise out of people like that instead but, of taking their responsibility more seriously see I, I like what you said there jay because i was i was just having the thought i was like listen man why are like middle-aged public officials getting into like internet trolling type of culture right like where it's like yeah. trying to do this like a very weird like south park-esque provocations of like other people and stuff like these like weird like almost you know it's like almost like children who heard their first like bit of profanity and stuff or like it's some first like improper joke and stuff and they like go and like giggle in the corner and stuff with their classmates and stuff it's just weird man yeah, it's a, weird, it is. it's a weird thing altogether, man. Just get out of that, man. Like whether this one instance was like racist or not, like maybe you just should, you know, look in inward and stuff about like what kind of sense of humor you have. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You said look inward. What? What? Whoa, whoa. Yo, inward? Really? Come on, Andre. I think you should be canceled there, bro. Inward? Come on.
I can't say, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't look inward. I can't have some self-illumination. Wow. You said inward. Well, that's what I, I called it. Take offense at that. Okay. So, he finally but, got it. He got it after a few seconds. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I got it, bro. I like it's, it's just. But that's kind of where we're at right now. You know what I mean? Like we're kind of in that type of space where people are uh, that kind of triggered on on everything. Um, and I look at it a little bit, and and I know I've gone back and forth a little bit on the topic here because it is one of those things. But I kind of look at it like, look, you're in a position of authority that uh, public trust you're elected to this position you should be doing better and so when you screw up there's should be higher consequences for you than regular joe schmo on the street because you have stepped into a position of public trust you're right you asked for it you're right and there are higher consequences. No, i will say that it is community board huh i'm sorry I'm just there are higher consequences than regular Joe Schmo on the street because regular Joe Schmo can't be removed from the board. He is in that spot. So, of course, he faces higher consequences. But it, but, and and that, should, that also means um, more critical of, of their behavior. Sure. Right. I, but I, like at the same time, right, like I think everything should be taken on an instance by instance basis. This is just Absolutely. I feel like this is maybe one of the lesser cases of just out and out bigotry. Like we literally just talked about a dude losing fucking an election and then shooting up houses. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. But again, I asked the question, does this type of rhetoric, I'm not saying this particular statement is going to inspire violence, but does this type of rhetoric and the fact that we seem to be tolerating it lead to events like that? Are we tolerating it though? As a society, I mean, if he's removed in, in a certain sense, it's not being tolerated. But the fact that we're even having this discussion, the fact that it's being said in the first place, the fact that most likely it's being repeated in his circles, and that's why he feels so comfortable saying it. I mean, it's a thing, right? It became part of our culture. Yeah. Having just out of curiosity, man, do you think the things that were being said in those circles has gotten better or worse across the last 10 years, 20, 50? You know what Worse. I mean? Like they still say messed up crap and shit, but like I feel like even like the circles of like conservative white men, like you know what I mean? Like I think that that's why they've gotten to like not out and out bigotry, but they're trying to always straddle the line to see what they. Can I think do. it's become less taboo in recent years, especially since 9/11, which is something we talked about. It became yeah. more okay in a lot of people's eyes to openly hate. Yep. Whereas people, maybe in certain private circles, they would say certain things, but even then it was like, you got to hold your tongue. Like, I think, I think people felt even a little bit funny. I mean, not everyone is different. I don't, I, but see, I don't, I don't believe that. More recent, I think, I don't think, I, I don't think, think anyone is thinking twice. Like if that's what they want to say, they're just going to say it. I think that, I think that the people that folks choose to hate and there is a certain, like it was popular to hate uh, uh, you know, Muslim Americans, it was popular to hate Middle Eastern folks after 9-11. After COVID, it's now, you know what I mean? Like the, the hate for Asian Americans is on the rise. After Kanye's breakdown and like Donald Trump's years and stuff, anti-Semitism is on the rise. You know what I mean? Like there, there are things that happen in, in the zeitgeist in American history or in, in the histories of other countries and stuff that allows for there to be uh, a few of, of bigotry and a few of radicalism in those countries, right? Like it usually is 
some sort of reactionary forces. But I think those those you know uh, kind of mercurial hatreds always exist. Like there are people that just have hate, and like an event causes them to hate one group right now, and then another group later, and then another group later. I think the hate was always there, man. Oh, I don't the know. No, the hate was always there. I think the, the difference is that now it's more acceptable to say it in public. We had, we had gotten somewhat to a space where we had kind of agreed as a society that you keep your mouth shut on that stuff in public discourse or something happens. Uh, but now, again, as, as Mike was talking about, and we've talked before, like 9-11 happened, it became kind of common because that was what was in the news. Then, then different things started to happen. Obama became president. Oh my God, now they're riled up. Then Trump came out and he just started vomiting word diarrhea everywhere. And it became very common and okay. So to some degree, or people felt more emboldened to say it in public, what they were saying in private. The stuff has always been there. I don't, I don't know, man. I remember the aughts and, and the people, you know what I mean? Saying horrible and, and awful things about the LGBTQ community in like preparation of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the equality marriage act. And before that, you yeah, know, it was, it was it was it was his Hispanic Americans taking all the jobs and all this other stuff. Absolutely. And before that, it was black Americans marrying all these like white people and stuff like how, you know, like like I feel like that's you know, the always and, in the and the, in the government society? is allowed for people to hate what they want as the other. I feel like it's it's not just the government, the media and everybody else and stuff. I feel like we. Uh, uh, it's particularly in this country, man. Like, I feel like it's almost like this, like cyclical nature of like them trying to preserve power by finding another to hate for a decade and then move to another and then another and then another. No, that's definitely part of it. Also, that was the Cold War, right? Yeah, it, there's a lot of that in society, but I do think, to Jay's point, society has become more tolerant of bigotry in a way that it just wasn't like when i was growing up in the 90s it was so taboo you know, i would be in high school and if anyone said something remotely offensive they got dressed down for it. like you, know, you don't say that that's bad and post 9 11 it kind of became the norm i mean and maybe it's i mean i don't know dude I, racist I, jokes became more acceptable or you know jay was saying that it's public discourse and it is but also quasi public right like if a group of people are together in a restaurant maybe now they're more likely to make these racist jokes or these bigoted comments and maybe they would not say prior to 9 11. i think you know and, and the racist jokes and stuff like that 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 always existed too it just people being able to being feeling emboldened to say it on television right in in the public like People would say these things in their circle, right? In wait, their- wait, hold on a second. Do y'all not remember Barry Goldwater's entire campaign? Like, what is, like, what are y'all talking about? Like, legitimately, like, every generation forgets, like, the, the horrors of their past, and okay. we constantly well, just repeat them. Like, this is a there. consistent thing. This has when, existed in history. You got to fight the roots of this fucking violence. Back to 19... 19- and the and root is, say, is very simple. It's anti-intellectualism. We yes. consistently okay. made dumber every single decade onward. We read less. We And the things that we do read are shorter. It is dumb. <laughs> it is the dim-wittedness and the, and the propagation of this dim-wittedness Andre. in the country, bro. 1964, Barry Goldwater's campaign. Okay, then in 68, Nixon employs the Southern strategy, right? And he uses it again in 72, which is... Let's not outwardly talk about race and these bigoted things because it became more taboo post-civil rights era. 
and then and then then we're gonna go to the ad quarter and the the Horton ad and like hold on a second. So in the seventies, in the sixty-eight, in the seventies, they still did it, but they were speaking in in codes, right? They were using dog whistles. No, those dog whistles were pretty clear, man. Sure, sure. Yeah, but they're not doing dog whistles now. To outwardly say it. I don't look. I think that that saying flu is a dog whistle. saying flu. That's a dog whistle, no? That's more than a dog whistle. Oh, you're saying that's more than a dog whistle? The more than the the the, the Jimmy Horton ad of him, the revolving yes. door of like the black men yes. going out. That's yes. more of a dog whistle than that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because it's it's basically it's a racial slur. You're talking about something that you're trying to apply something about by no. using one case and, and trying to make people think. Listen, I'm about fear. to say that's something controversial. I feel like Lee Adwater got like cancer from the amount of racism that he had inside of him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if this dude is. All that like, hatred is that, not healthy. It's not. He actually he apologized, man. He apologized for like how awful of a human being he was before he died. I just think Jesus. He just wanted to get into try to get into heaven. He didn't really mean it. No, I mean to be fair, you know, Lee Atwater, man, like he was a scumbag for most of his life, man. But it did seem like he came around at the end. In the eighties, you had Reagan talking about the welfare queen, all that kind of stuff. That's a dog whistle. Of course, it's deeply rooted in hatred. That's what they're trying to do. But the way it's talked about is a little bit different. It's not as over. But hold on a second. But but like the way that Reagan would talk about like homosexual men and stuff, like forget about it. Uh, well, or the way that I he think, talked I about think that he really had a, a whole like record against communism, teaching kids against communism. Dude, like what are you talking about, bro? I think I think in, in that regard, blatant speech against the homosexual community was was more open yeah. back then. Because yeah. then it was it was nationally said, they find, worldwide. They find another to hate. They find that other to hate. And at that time, it's considered a dog whistle. If you say this shit today and stuff, it's very blatant and direct, right? Like we a, I don't know. think it was a dog whistle about the gay community back in the eighties. Oh, right. That was very blatant. <laughs> very blatant. Right. Right. Yeah. And also the numbers also do speak for themselves in terms of the number of deaths that you can like leave at Reagan's door in regards to the AIDS crisis in the eighties. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to say this new story that came out, I guess, is breaking. We have some more developments on it concerns MSG and biometric technology. And I wanted to get into that before we wrapped up as now, well. To be clear, you're talking Madison Square Garden, not Monosodium Glutinate. True. Okay. Talking about Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, and Radio City Music Hall also falls under that same umbrella. And so the story is that they were using biometric technology. So they were, they were basically pointing cameras at people coming into the venue and trying to match it up against a database of faces that they had stored. So they got your face, they compared it to the, the database, and they were using it to kick out, in this case, lawyers who had lawsuits against MSG. In some cases, it wasn't even lawyers who were directly involved in a lawsuit, but just worked at the law firm where a lawsuit was pending. And so now you have some pushback from politicians because MSG, though it is privately operated, it does rely on public support from government support. And so it isn't purely a private operation. You're talking about a $43 million state tax abatement, liquor licenses, and even the city permit, which allows the arena to have more than 2,500 seats. That permit expires this year. And so some politicians now are saying that if MSG continues to do this, they should lose that public support. 
first off, we need to stop subsidizing the Knicks. We need to stop subsidizing these private enterprises, period, because they make plenty of money. That's, yeah, if you can pay if you can pay a basketball player like twenty plus million dollars a year, I don't know if you need subsidizing. Correct. Yeah, and like to be fair, like we are like New York City and stuff. It's the biggest market in the world and stuff, man. Y'all want to move to like Wichita? Have a good day. Um, so it's like, uh, uh, yeah, man. I I think that we shouldn't be putting public money into this period. Uh, but my second point is, uh, you know, with like due respect to you, Mike, you know. Lawyers don't really make sympathetic victims. And uh, there's there's also the issue there. That's true. That's true. I disagree. No, that's that's a I wonder diet. why. Yeah, I think I think that's why he brought this up is more because they were targeting lawyers. It's a personal well, I can relate to it because I've got a lawsuit as a lawyer, not as the plaintiff, but as a lawyer, I'm suing the Daily News. Right. I still get the daily news on my email they haven't banned me from the website i mean how would i feel if they banned me just because i have a lawsuit that seems petty i, I mean, mean to be fair the argument there, that it's awful I research get, i like, get like, that though yeah but like corporations now that they're people due to the supreme court decision they're also allowed to be as petty as human beings are you know what i mean it's like your girlfriend blocking your number man like you know what i'm saying like you the should MSG have the right to be able this to send a text right this is the world's most famous arena and you talk about radio city music hall this is a big part of what makes new york new york Right, it's not some private club down the street. Yeah, eh. I, I get it. You know, I, MSG MSG should stop taking public money, and then they should be able to ban whoever they want, particularly lawyers. My my thing so is, what about the city permit issue? And forget about the money for a second. There's a permit that allows them to hold more than twenty five hundred seats. You pull that permit, they can't run these big events. Well, so, just, I mean, first off, regardless, man, all these attorneys that got a preliminary injunction, they're back in to go do whatever and stuff, man. Like none of them are kept out. It's it's a stupid thing for MSG to do in the first place because it ties them up in more lawsuits. They have more lawyers to pay for. That's that. a good point. Oh, of everyone in the world to target, why would you target an attorney? Well, I mean, let's let's look at. I I don't know what they're they're. You know, justification for it is, but I could I can see an argument for not wanting someone who's got a case against you in your venue to either maybe they find more information or something. No, I mean, they, they can't. On. Yeah, they can't really do that because then then the argument can be made that like uh, those same politicians that are talking about pulling their public fine finances for them to ban them and their families, right? Like, hey, you're about to take away my public financing and stuff, man. You and your family can't go to the Knicks game no more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm it's more ridiculous. It's, it's petty in a way that just lowers the discourse and it just makes us a crappier society, right? Like we talked about trying to do better, striving for greatness. This brings us into the gutter, I think. This makes us just Low grade, low class. I, don't know. I think we're already in the gutter a little bit. Um, you know, shouldn't we be striving to get out of it instead of pulling? I think we should, be. we should be. To me, to me, I think the more important point to me is and the thing that makes me most uncomfortable is that this organization has this private data database of people's faces that they're using to identify people with. I'm not comfortable with that in any capacity, and I think that is is you know more concerning. Um, and then of course they're using it, but. You know that they're collecting it, that they're gonna use it. Like, well, yeah. apparently they're getting it from the, the thing is this: how how much? Yeah, how much law is there in relation to private organizations' storage capacity of you know like? 
data mining of like literally facial features and da, 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 of private citizens. It's kind of wild, man. Like we really need to, we need to get some legislation. If it's publicly available information, it's publicly well, here's the thing. No, 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 no. But I don't want, I don't want exactly. that shit kept in like a, a server and stuff by a private company to like be able to read my biometrics at any given whim. Like that's preposterous. Right. But and the then law on top firm of that, put that up. Like it is on the server available to the public because the law right. firm put their faces on their website. Well, well here, put it. You can you can even change that. Think about this: thousands of people go into Madison Square Garden a day. They've obviously got cameras that identify faces. What if those cameras are sampling every face that comes in and creating files? Now they've got a database of 20, 30,000 people that keep coming through their doors. That's not people that put it out there specifically. They're just walking around to go to an event. Yeah. So like you're saying that if I buy a hot dog at a, at a basketball game and stuff, like I'm now going to be like my my face is going to be there for life. We were talking about something slightly different. I'm talking about these lawyers being in their database because they were <laughs> you're on the yeah, your concern is with the attorneys. No, no you're no, concerned no. You're with the privacy aspect of it. You're, like, you're talking about people who go buy hot dogs at MSG. I'm not talking about them being in the database. What I'm saying is the database is based on this list of people that they're trying to keep out. And in this case, it was lawyers on this website. So when someone comes in through the doors, they're comparing that person with the database of lawyers on the website. So it's not like they're necessarily building a database of the person walking through the door. The database is the people that are trying to target, which they already have. That's the first step. I know. It I could know. be. And that could I, be concerning as well. I'm uncomfortable with them being able to do that, period. Um, should they continue doing it? I don't, I don't think they should. Is there a potential for an argument on not wanting... Uh, and a, someone working for the law firm that has a case against you in your venue, I could see that there would be an argument for that as well. I wouldn't want somebody, you know, at my house party that is suing me. Um, and I know I'm a person. Lawyers are just doing company. their job. I mean, now you're punishing people just for doing their job. Yeah, by the way, and like the crazy thing is, it was also like people that had nothing to do with the cases. It was just like people right. in the firm. Right. That like again have no business with you. And we're talking about big law firms with like hundreds of partners. Forget about just like well, you know, I think maybe to play devil's advocate here, the rationale might have been they're gonna send someone who's less obvious. So we need to keep an eye on everyone. And and I yeah, like I said, there can be an argument made for that side as well. Um it, it's uncomfortable. Should they be doing? I mean, what if what if it was the you know, not a, a lawyer? What if it was a, a, a janitor in the building? You know, he works for the same law firm. Um, would they, would they? Right. And that's my point. If someone in. just doing their job, should we be banning them from a public accommodation in New York? Now I get it's a private venue, but it's MSG, right? It's Radio City Music Hall. It is New York City. It's like saying basically Maybe, you can't yes. go to the Statue of Liberty in some way. Uh, I would think that the a little attraction in New York City, right? Madison Square Garden would not be equivalent to Statue of Liberty. It's the world's most famous arena. Right, but also one is a public space, one is not. I understand that. But it's a national so monument. And the fact that it receives public funds and support so, from the no, government. But, that's, but see, that's my point, right? Like, you take away the public funds, they can do whatever the hell they want. And but they should, should be getting those public should funds. They, should they be able to have that database of people's faces? So here's my thing, right? If it's legal, they can do it. Should they ethically? No, they should not. 
I'm, but again, should the law that, be changed. The law definitely should be changed. Private enterprise should stop like data mining period. And they should also not be able to preserve our data and information for longer than say, like, I don't know, for forever, however long it's needed to do whatever the fuck they actually need to do in that time. Right. Like or whatever. You need a guy mask and get on it, man. Okay. Like let's, 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 let's just chill. Well, (laughs) I'm an Alan Moore fan, but like, I was talking more about the organization Anonymous. Yeah, yeah, but I get it. But I was talking about Alan Moore. (laughs) This is the world we live in of biometrics and data mining and AI. And I did want to go over the poll results from last time. Actually, it was from a few times ago. But I know we we have to talk about George Santos at some point. We will in a second. But before we wrap up, I wanted to give poll results because we did ask if you felt with the rise of AI programs like chat GPT that your job could be replaced by AI. And we posed it in a way that wasn't just as vague, are you concerned about AI becoming more prevalent, but are you specifically concerned that your job could be replaced by AI to see how people felt about that. Now, I did put it on Instagram and Facebook as always. I also added Reddit this time around. I figured why not expand the polls to Reddit and they do have a subreddit on there called polls. So I thought that was a good way to get maybe even more eyes on what we do. And so combining the results here, we've got 86% of respondents saying no, they were not concerned. 14% saying yes. Okay. Those 86% are super optimistic. Super, super optimistic. I love what an optimistic nation of folks we got. Or maybe they don't think they work in jobs that AI could do. I mean, listen, this chat GPT in particular is already at the level that it's at, is able to displace people in certain entry level fields, especially copywriters. You can probably get away with one less in the office you know, um, people that build like these sales funnels, landing pages, that type of data. You could get away with less person in the office already with with what it is. Um, So I think it's it's coming, it's going to be a possibility for different things. I think I saw I saw an article that that speculated that, you know, upwards of 80, 85 or more percent of content on the internet within the next 10 years or something like that is going to be AI generated. Wow. Because you can generate whole blogs. Like I, and I did it as a test uh, on, on the indiepundit.com site and did a whole article um, and it was all generated by ChatGPT. I did not even edit it just to, to see the capability of it. And there are people all over the internet right now, all over YouTube that are preaching like, yeah, this is how you, you, you're going to do it. This is how you're going to build these blogs and put these affiliate links and make money and then create these whole sites that you don't write. And so it's, it's going to be very, you know, very prevalent everywhere. Well, I have some comments here also that I want to get into. One person says so many people are becoming technophobes nowadays. I wonder when they'll start chasing after data scientists with torches and pitchforks. Someone else says AI is stupid AF. I ain't worried about them at all. No, I think it's listen. I, I'm I'm on board. It's amazing. I'm you know 
I'm actually actively doing research with it, contracted with someone to do. Um, it's amazing what they're able to accomplish. People, but people need to know that this is this is going to be something that's a factor. It just is. There's no there's no getting around it. Proud technophobe. <laughs> All right. And I mean, it, but it's, from your flip phone. you can't you can't deny that it's not. They were be better. Factor. Just so we're clear, they were better. They got better service, et cetera, et cetera. Like the only reason I have a, a, a smartphone uh, is is literally because I need to be able to check my emails for work and do a couple. I also of really like texting where you have to press the button three times to get one letter. Oh, I hate yeah, that. Yeah, whatever, man. At least they weren't like fucking, uh, didn't get like minerals and stuff from like some uh, really despondent mine and shit. And, like, yeah, they did. Not as much. They did. Not as much. Not the flip phones. The Motorola bricks all did it. And the flip phones, they all did it. That makes me sadder, but we got better reception. <laughs> they just all weren't right. prolif- they just weren't proliferating uh, out there as much as it is now because everyone has one now. That's true. Even children. We did want to get into George Santos and I guess the latest developments before we wrap this thing up. I know, Andre, you had some more points you wanted to make on Santos, and I think we're going to make the poll directly about him at this point because we did have a more generic one when this first broke about the ethics of someone lying about their qualifications and should they still serve office if they've been caught. But now we want to get, a people's, get people's idea about him in particular, given that it's such a big national story. Everyone so, pretty much knows about it. How do people feel? Should he still be in office? I want to get to that. But before we do, Andre, what were the latest developments? So, I mean, I just, I have no idea how much you guys have gone over. I have no idea. Pretty much guys- every, every hey. episode in the last three shows have been yeah. something touched on. So his you story. guys have gone the gone through the fact that he lied about being Jewish, that he said he was Jew-ish. Yeah. Um, His mother died in 9-11. And like 10 years later, he's like RIP mom. 16. Yep. Yeah. You guys went over the, the, the Brazilian fraud charge. You guys, we, we didn't go into detail, but yeah, the, I mean, the Brazilian fraud charges, it was an individual that he was working for and stuff who died. And then he wrote some checks uh, on their behalf after their death for himself. <clears throat> uh, and it actually admitted guilt and then fleed the country. Um, and so, yeah, it's a 2010 case. Uh, then you guys talked about the fact that he was married in 2019. No. Yeah, he was married to a woman in 2019. Though he is running as a proud gay man, uh, he uh, also lied about the fact that he had two employees who worked for him who died at the Pulse Club shooting in Florida. What? Which is just very easily verifiable, right? Uh, you mean like you mean like saying you graduated from? Uh, right. Yeah. He also claimed to be a volleyball champion, I believe, uh, uh, from a university which he did not graduate from uh there's i mean it's 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 constant but now so the most recent stuff that i have seen is that i mean they're investigating where the donation came the seven hundred fifty thousand that he donated to his own campaign even though in 2020 he only listed fifty thousand dollars in in uh that in annual income uh but now they're also curious about a russian oligarch who has been sanctioned by the u.s government uh, how his cousin and his wife just donated the maximum amount of eleven thousand dollars to George Santos's campaign. 
That is an interesting factor. But the other, you know, kind of very cute little detail of this whole thing is that uh, whoever gave, gives out the congressional offices gave him office 1117, which was the former office of Chris Collins, who very famously in 2016, also a New York congressman, was uh, uh, indicted, arrested, and then convicted of fraud. So history just repeating itself. It, this, this is quite frankly the wildest story ever. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, New York 3 is one of the wealthiest districts, congressional districts in the entire country. Uh, a large portion of what you kind of do from that seat, you know, outside of legislating is actually raising money for your party. So it is a very, very important seat for both uh, Republicans and Democrats. It's uh, it's always been highly contested. And it's it, again, it's just one of those seats where you know, a lot of your job is going to be to fundraise. So just like prior races, there was a lot of money put in by both candidates. We're talking about each candidate spent over a million dollars on their race. My question is, why did nobody just spend 15 grand on a private investigator to like research your opposition? I mean, like if you're spending over a million already, how did nobody do this work? And apparently there was a there was a newspaper that did run a story in September that was questioning like a local Long Island newspaper and stuff that, that was questioning what the hell was going on. <clears throat> and nobody paid attention. And so but it, it's a genuine question for like the Zimmerman camp. And I have a lot of you know respect for Robert Zimmerman and stuff who ran for office. Uh, uh, but at the same time, like well, his team, like. How how did folks miss this? I don't understand. They've said the thing raised so much. That's the thing. You can understand that there's two <laughs> different things, and then there's the strategy behind. All right, do we spend our political capital trying to get this out? Do we have sources that will verify this? Do we have papers that will even run it? If spend our political it, capital, dude. It's fifteen thousand on an investigator. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spending the energy <laughs> actually getting it out and trying to make it a campaign to this degree. No, that's my, this degree? that's my point. Holy this degree. crap. I would spend all of my political capital. Just be no. like, no, this dude is the biggest liar. That's of my point. Time. That's my point. That's my point. So normally I can understand <laughs> the dynamics here where it's like, all right, I'm trying to run a campaign myself. I'm not running against an incumbent. So this, my opponent is a relative unknown who lost the last time. Do I want to spend a lot of energy on exposing his fabrication? I get that generally. But when there's just so much, it's like, number one, it seems like it should have been very easy to find. And number two, if everything he's saying basically is a lie, why weren't they screaming that up and down the street all the time? Right. That's why, that was my question. I mean, uh, and I think you touched on it, Andre, that um, there was they, they did identify some things or, or there's a newspaper that didn't identify some things, but it wasn't really carried. No one really, you know, but it seems like there was enough of a thread there that someone should have been pulling on it. But like, wait a minute, this is not right. Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually the Times picked it up a week after the election or a couple of days after the election. Like, what, what was the point of that? I read the story. I sent it in like a group text to people and stuff. I was like, hey, guys, listen, like, what was the point of this? This dude ended up getting elected. Like, yeah. Do you think it's going to change the culture in any way in terms of how campaigns are run? Or is it going to be more scrutiny on what candidates say? Or are we going to be looking? It's I, look, I, 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 I see this as a direct correlation to Donald Trump running for office. I mean, like the amount of lies that came out of that man's fucking face uh, as a candidate has kind of allowed a uh, free for all for anybody to say whatever they want within that party. 
You know I, what I mean? I like, do think he's probably emboldened by that. And, Maybe that's what he thought. There are no consequences. You just saw it. I can say whatever I want. Maybe that's what he was thinking. But that is. Literally, that's this quite is literally what he was I mean, this thinking. This is more than we've ever seen. Like, this is wild. I mean, this is no, this is con artist level stuff. This is talented Mr. Ripley, talented Mr. Santos, you know, shit here and stuff. This is. And I don't think this is the this is going to be the last time, especially if he's if he's allowed to stay in office. So here's the problem, right? Like you got you got New York GOP and stuff screaming for him to resign. But the problem is for McCarthy, he's got a, such a slim majority. And like, yo, it, they very pointedly Republicans want to get rid of the ethics committee and shit in the House. So it's like I'm sure that George Santos is all for that. I do also want to point out that the man has the gall to say that not only did he not do anything illegal or improper, he didn't do anything unethical. That is the wildest stuff ever. Yeah, absolutely. So he's making a statement because he's admitting that at least some of this isn't true, right? So he's making a statement that lying is not unethical in his view. Yeah. Should there be some sort of a procedure in place to be able to remove somebody like this? I mean, we've never seen it to this degree, but should there be going forward? Should someone be talking about a way to, to re- remedy a situation like this? Are the Republicans going to do it? Vote. Do it? They're in charge of the House. Yeah, they can take a vote. Yeah, but that, I mean, they're not going to do it because it's one of their party. And like you said, they have a slim majority. They're and, in a kind yeah, of pickle. I mean, like, the, the, get the rid of thing, Yeah, the sad thing is, though, they're not like the fact that McCarthy has like actually said that not only are they not going to try to get rid of him, they're not even going to censor him or keep him off committees, which is wild, wild. I don't I look, I don't I don't understand man. I do not get it. Um, is that I, going to have any effect on the public perception of the Republican Party? Will there be consequences for the Republicans because of their failure to address him directly? Probably not. No. I'm very cynical on that point. Probably should not. There be? Yes. yes, absolutely. There should be. Dude, they should have had the come to Jesus moment back in 2016 when they realized Donald Trump was not should not be representing any major political party in this country. Yeah. Period. And 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 here's the thing, it's like in the beginning, the Republican, prominent Republicans all were saying that Correct. until, until they, they realized that they couldn't beat him. He could basically hold them hostage. And, and then they got on board and then they just drank the Kool-Aid hardcore and still like, you know, swung from his nuts. But they showed that they were more willing to 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 win the election than hold their integrity. And they're doing they're doing it again with this here. No, look, man, Republicans are just shit, like completely afraid of their base. Right. They're afraid of getting primary by crazies that are farther to the right. And that's it. They're afraid of their base. They don't want to, you know, in the case of Santos, do you think they're afraid? I mean, I think most Republican voters even would like to see him gone. Well, in this, in this in this instance, yes. In this instance, yes. But I feel like if you turn the question to, like, you, would you say, if you asked a, a New York 3 Republican, right, mm. would you want to see George Santos resign from office? They would probably say yes. Would you like to see George Santos resign from office while there's it's such a slim majority of the Republicans in, in control of the House? I don't know. I think it would take them a couple of seconds. Or, right. Or if you pose it as and be replaced by a Democrat potentially, right? Right. Well, yeah, look, I mean, to be fair, Democrats have had this seat for quite a while. And uh, it's, it's you know, it was before Tom Swazi, it was Steve Israel's seat. Uh, before that was Gary Ackerman's seat. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know. Good old Gary Ackerman who lived in a houseboat in DC. 
Gary Ackerman is very, very good people. He actually uh, one time gave one of my staffers a ride uh, to a train station and stuff because his aunt had died and there was an emergency situation. He was a very good man. He, yeah. So, all right. Why don't we put the poll question out then to see where our audience stands on this. And the question of the week is, do you believe that George Santos should resign from Congress? Straightforward to the point, absolutely. Uh, yes. Let's, um, we, we have gone pretty far over time. Um, we always get into some, some long discussions, especially when Andre's around. It's always good spirited debates, I love it. Um, so to wrap up, I think as we have been doing is giving the guests the bottom line the final word for, for the day. So um, could sum up anything that we've said today, anything you want to say, anything that you think people need to hear. Um, so yes, what everybody, is bottom, what is the bottom yes. line? Everybody contribute to Katie Porter's senatorial campaign. She is, uh, uh, she is running to replace Diane Feinstein who uh, uh, needs to announce that she is retiring and uh, kind of go with the flow. That's it. That's, that is my bottom line. Goodbye, Diane. Hello, Katie. California, make it happen. All right. And Jay, of course, where can people find us? YouTube, uh, Nuance, at Nuance Show on YouTube, at Nuance Show on Instagram. And, uh, you know, if you got something to say, you've got a comment, you got some, some love, some hate, go there, leave it in there, respond, let us know what it is, join the conversation. And then, of course... Podcasts, wherever podcasts are, uh, you can subscribe, automatically get it pushed to your device when the new ones come out. Yes. And we've got two guests scheduled for the coming weeks. And so maybe after we wrap up the live, we can record something that we can post on our stories to plug their appearances as well. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. As always, this has been Nuance. And we'll catch you next time. As always, we've got work to do. Blue tags for the children. Have a good night.